morning. Let's stand. Let's sing together. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come,
Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We have come and we are adoring you with our, all of our heart. Thank you for this beautiful Christmas season that you give us. Thank you for um, the life you let us live and the lives, lives you let us lead. You're gracious and you don't have to be. You give us chance after chance and we're grateful. Thank you for this season where we could be mindful of the Christ child and we have come to adore. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Good morning. Yeah, I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, great to uh, be uh, here for church today. We realize it's a busy, busy week and a busy weekend for everybody, and glad you just made time for God today. God is very honored by that. Really is. Hope you're really blessed by the service today. Hey, uh, tell somebody, uh, happy holidays, happy new year, Merry Christmas uh, around you, just for a moment. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Yeah. So my name is Rob Quinn. I am actually the preteen ministry director here. What that means is on Sundays and Thursdays, I'm usually hanging out with our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders um, with an amazing group of leaders, and we get to take those kids on their next steps with Jesus. So um, with the holiday season, we took today off, so that allowed me to get up here today and say hi and welcome everybody here today. It's kind of cool, though, because I can see some of my kids and some of the leaders out in the audience today, so I feel a little bit more at ease, not nearly as nervous as I thought I'd be up here on a big stage, so... Um, if this is your first time here at Hopevale, or maybe your second or third, whatever reason that brought you in the doors today, we just want to give you an extra special welcome. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us today, giving us a shot, seeing what's going on. Um, we have a way we'd love to connect with you. If you walked in, you might have got one of these uh, bulletin-looking things. It looks like this. If you could tear off the bottom portion of that, it just tears off just like this. Fill it out. You could drop it in the uh, offering plate as it goes by. Or more importantly, if you want to stop at our Welcome Center on the way out today, we have a great group of team uh, people out there that want to say hi to you. They have a gift for you um, and really just want to get to know you um, and say welcome to Hopevale today. Um, another thing, there's something kind of major going on this week. If you guys haven't noticed, it's kind of a big deal around here. Uh, maybe it's a big deal at your house right now, and that's Christmas. Everybody getting ready for Christmas right now? Yeah, a little bit. So there's a lot going on here at Hopevale and in our lives, and I just want to run you through some of what we've got going on. So we have five different services that we would like to invite you to come and celebrate the birth of Jesus with us. Two of those are tomorrow um, on the 23rd. One is at 5 o'clock and one is at 7. Those are p.m., not a.m. Do not come in the morning. Nobody will be here. Um, I'll be sleeping, and I won't feel bad about that. Um, the next is actually on Christmas Eve on the 24th. We're going to have a 1, 3, and 5 p.m. Um, service. Again, we just invite you to come and worship with us, celebrate the birth of Jesus um, during one of those times. Bring friends and family, come hang out with us. The cool part, during those services, we also will have children's um, ministry available in our Hopevale Kids for kids that are um, birth all the way up through pre-K. Um, for our elementary kids and um, all our older kids, man, we want families in here with us and hanging out. And even if your birth and pre-K kids want to come in here, we want them in here too um, to have a great time as we're celebrating. So um, it excites me to do that. One of the other really cool things that we have going on this year again um, is our Christmas outreach offering. Um, if you've been here for any length of time, we've been doing this now. This is our 10th year doing this offering during Christmas, and we celebrate this over Christmas Eve services. And over the 10 years, our church, this church here at Hopevale, has given over $1 million to this. That's amazing, people. That is really cool. That's, yeah, that's worthy of a round of applause. That really is. So um, this offering is, goes above and beyond our weekly giving. 
Um, and what's really cool about that is that offering is completely designed for um, outreach and going outside the walls of this community um, and blessing others um, in what they do. And one of the cool things that we do with that offering, we've also identified five global mission projects and ministries that we support with that fund. So this, um, this offering goes not just here in the region of Michigan and the, and the Bay City area and all that. It's worldwide, and that's just a great thing to be part of. During this, um, this offering time, it's actually live right now. You can give to that. Um, there's three different ways you can do that. You can use one of these offering envelopes. You'll see them all over the place. Um, feel free to grab one of those, fill it out, do however you want to. We also have our new um, mobile secure um, giving platform. You're more welcome to log into that and give that way. Or if you just want to simply jump on our website and uh, look up the Christmas outreach offering, and it'll walk you through the steps to give to that. We just ask that during this time, you just prayerfully consider what God might be asking you and calling you to give above and beyond what you normally do on a weekly basis. So we just want to thank you for that. This time, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward um, so we can receive our weekly offering. Uh, One of the cool things that I get to do here, um, I said earlier, is serve in uh, the ministry of our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade students. Um, And what's really cool, what we get to do back there is we have a saying in the back, it's called letting go of the bike. Um, And what that means is not a literal bike. Um, Sometimes we might have a bicycle back there, but not usually. Jim would get mad if we have bikes back there all the time. Um, But what that means is we start to let go and teach kids to let go and own their own personal relationship with Jesus. It's like letting, it's like teaching kids how to ride a bike. We've got to let go sometimes. And one of the ways we do that is by building relationships with these kids. um, And it's through your generosity that allows us to do that. I think we have some pictures of some of the things we do here. Um, In fact, I think we have a video of one of the things we did this summer um, with our kids Maybe not the greatest video to show, but um, what I learned this summer, my first summer doing this job, was not to let Brent, our youth pastor, come to our water events because that's what happens to my kids. So, no, seriously, it's through your generosity that allows us to do these things um, with our kids um, and allows us as a complete next-gen team um, in ministry to minister to these kids at the individual phases of life that they are. We're able to get intentional with them. We're able to take kids in preschool and elementary and in preteen age groups and student ministries in middle school and high school and really get down into their life with them. And I just want to thank you for that. I I personally want to thank you for that because it allows us to do those things. Um, If you want to know anything else more about 456 students, I'm going to be outside today. Stop by and say hi. If you think, hey, maybe this is a place you want to jump in, really stop stop by and say hi because we've got plenty of opportunities for you guys to serve. So right now, I just want to pray for us as we get ready to receive the offering. Dear Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the mercy and love that you give upon us. God, it is so great that you bless us with so many things. And as we get ready to give back, Lord, because we believe the words that you tell us, that if we are faithful and that we are obeying, that God, that your blessings will be multiplied. And I just ask today as we get ready to give back to you what is already yours, Lord, that you take these offerings and you bless them in so many ways. For all the ministries that we do here, in-house, outside the walls of this church, Lord, I just ask that you just bless us and bless this this offering that we're going to take. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, just go ahead and remain seated. We'll get you up in just a, a little bit, and uh, we're going to continue to worship. Um, seems to be this theme today of celebrating this Christ child that came for us, which we celebrate 
but also um, sort of mourning in a way because uh, we know he was born to suffer and born to save. So uh, we're going to be led in worship by Michelle as we kind of consider that um, sort of ironic thing about the manger and the cross.
Heavenly Father, by your wounds, as it says in Isaiah, we are healed, and uh, we're on the other side of Christmas. We're on the other side of this, just uh, almost 2,000 years later here, and um, we're mindful, um, and we're reminded that um, you came to save a people um, that were fallen, and that decided to live their own way in a misguided way, and you came to save us. You came to make it so there would be a bridge to eternity, and the cross just was sort of upward, and it fell down and it created this bridge of this chasm between this earth and this heaven. So uh, we thank you that uh, that's something we could walk across that you gladly uh, just moved forward in. And um, you just said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be the sacrifice. And Jesus, um, I don't know that we'll ever quite understand that. And I think, I hope that profound uh, mystery And that kind of profound love always just kind of stops us in our tracks, especially around Christmas and Easter as we consider some of these really big events of your showing up and of your life and your death and your resurrection. So we love you, Lord, and uh, we know you were made to um, be God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, as it says. Emmanuel means God with us. And Lord, uh, we're grateful for this season that you came for us in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, Hopevale, and uh, good morning to Bay City, and um, we're just, uh, I'm so glad to be standing here with you today. Um, I'm going to share a song that I wrote uh, several years ago. I was a preschool teacher, and I had a classroom full of uh, little three- and four-year-olds, and um, every year I had to teach them, you know, about Christmas, and then Easter would roll around, and I would teach them about Easter, and then Christmas would roll around again. We'd talk about Christmas, and then Easter. And then um, one year, I was driving, and I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about what I'm telling these little kids. What am I saying to them? What are these words that I'm saying? And um, it dawned on me that the same guy I was talking about, same little baby, was the guy that I'm talking about at Easter. And I knew that, and I'm putting that together. But how exactly does a three-year-old or a four-year-old know that? And they probably didn't, even though they'd heard me say it a million times. And so while I'm thinking about this, I'm sitting at a light, and I'm getting ready to turn left. And the whole song just came to me in one big moment. And by the time I completed my left turn, I was bawling my eyes out. This song is called Lullaby for a King. Lay down, rest your head, sweet Savior born this night. Close your eyes, precious child, sleep peacefully tonight. Yo 
your sacred birth this amazing miracle you have come to save the earth so for
Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Wasn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I told someone earlier, I said, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. that that's, I mean, we can all go home. Merry Christmas. Um, well, that's great. Well, welcome to you uh, worshiping with us in Bay City. Also, we're so excited to, uh, to end up this series, wrap up this series today. Good news, great joy and uh, run right into our Christmas services the next couple of days. Um, man, that, so what she just sang there, this whole thing of the, the Christmas, this baby, and, and who he would become, and what he would do, going to the cross, the resurrection, and that's the focus of this good news and great joy. And that's what we want to talk about today. We're in week four of this um, Christmas series titled Good News, Great Joy, and it comes from what the angel told the shepherds who are tending their sheep um, out in the fields nearby Bethlehem one night, and this angel shows up, and they're terrified, they're scared, they don't know what to do, and the angel says to them, Luke chapter 2 records this, the angel says to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know, we started out this journey three weeks ago talking about this great joy. And we asked the question, is there a difference between experiencing this thing called joy and feeling happiness? What's the difference between those two things? And what we saw was that this word happiness actually comes from a word that means lucky, or, or favored by fortune. And that's exactly what it is and how it works. That we have these experiences that cause us to feel something. And if we're lucky, if favor smiles on us in this situation, we're going to feel happy about it. But if it doesn't, then we'll feel sadness and sorrow and all of those kind of things. And we only have this 50-50 shot at feeling happiness. But joy, on the other hand, is, is something completely different. Joy is a disposition or an outlook, a favor on my life that's not based on my situations, that's not based on my feelings or my emotions. It's based on something else. For a Christian, joy is based on Jesus and who he is and what he did. So we can actually find joy in the middle of things like uncertainty, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Or we can actually um, look past things like regret and find joy like we talked about last week. Well, last week, Pastor Dan um, started out his, his sermon by um, asking us, what is your favorite Christmas decoration? And I want to take it a step further today. I want to ask you the question, what's your favorite Christmas song? What's your favorite Christmas song? So here's what I want you to do. Turn to the person next to you, and I just want you to tell them what your favorite Christmas song is. All right, ready? On your mark, get set, go. Go do that. I'm hearing a lot of great Christmas songs. That was, you don't have to sing it to them, okay? You don't have to tell them all the lyrics. <laughs> all right, my favorite Christmas song, I've been juggling two or three of them. I've been like, okay, what is it? But I was listening to the radio yesterday, um, this radio station that I'm gonna talk about in a second, and this song comes on, Oh Holy Night. And I absolutely, I just, I'm like, oh yeah, I love that song more than, it just the, when the chorus comes in, you're like, oh, and my son Nick was sitting with me. He goes, Dad, why do you like this song so much? I'm like, well, what song do you like? And he wouldn't tell me. So anyway, um, 
is that's just the way it goes. One of the things I've done this Christmas season is I have tuned all of the radios in the Burke cars to 104.1 The Bay. Um, and it says it just like that on every commercial. Um, because during the Christmas season, it's 24-7 Christmas songs all the time. Now, you might be thinking, Sam, that is torture. Why did you do that? Um, but I wanted to feel more in the Christmas spirit this season. So I'm like, that. I'm going to do that every time I'm in the car listening to Christmas music. And I've been doing it for 22 days straight. And you know what I've noticed about Christmas songs? It's that a lot of Christmas songs talk about being happy. They talk about being merry or jolly, and it's just this feeling all the time. But what I know to be true is this, is that a lot of people during Christmas time, um, that's not their reality. It's not. I mean, at, at, during the holidays, I think what we could best call it is like it, they, it's complicated, right? Like I think some people would even say, you no, know, the emotions of sadness and sorrow are the things that they begin to feel during the Christmas season. And so as I'm listening to all this Christmas music, merry, jolly, happy, I'm thinking, well, what about the Christmas songs that convey the other side of that? So I started thinking about some of those songs like this one, like Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley, right? Look at these lyrics. And when those blue snowflakes start falling, that's when those blue memories start calling. You'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, the bay, but I'll have a blue, 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 blue Christmas, right? What a, what a sad song. Or this one, uh, Please Come Home for Christmas by Charles Brown. Not Charlie Brown. It's not in that movie. Um, this says this, bells will be ringing this sad, sad news. Oh, what a Christmas to have the blues. My baby's gone. I have no friends to wish me greetings once again. This is a sad song, people. I'm reading these lyrics and I'm feeling like, oh, I'm feeling for this guy. This is, this is sad. Or maybe these songs aren't your, your thing. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to connect with this next song way more. Um, it's this classic Christmas song, Last Christmas by Wham. You know the song, right? Last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. This year to save me from tears, I'm going to give it to someone special. Apparently last year it wasn't special. So um, this is like the dumbest Christmas song ever. Can I just say that? <laughs> My son, Nick, we're, we're, you know, we're driving um, to, the, to Jack's Meat Market yesterday, and he's telling me this whole Christmas season, he's like, my friends and I are doing this thing called Whamageddon. And I said, what's Whamageddon? He goes, well, for 25 days um, in December, we have to avoid the song Last Christmas at all costs. If you hear it, you're out. <laughs> so... 13-year-olds. So yesterday, we're driving to Jack's Meat Market, and we're listening to The Bay, and the song comes on, and I look over, and he doesn't notice it's on, and I have a choice in that moment. <laughs> am I going to be that dad that's like, ha ha, you're out, or am I going to save him? And so I looked, I looked again, and I did, like, for those of you who are Star Wars fans, I did the Darth Vader four looks, you know? before I decide to do something. And I'm like, and I turn the radio off, and I'm like, I just saved your life. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't even know. I'm like, yeah, thank me later. Merry Christmas. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. But seriously, though, seriously, though, emotions like sadness or sorrow or depression, they are big realities for many people during the Christmas season. In fact, it's something that hits the Burke family, the extended Burke family, um, during this season. 15 years, uh, 13 years ago, um, my aunt uh, Karen passed away 
December 15th, 2006. I remember it like it was yesterday. And it, it has just this effect on our family now. It's been 13 years and there's been a lot of healing that's gone on. But the Christmas season always has this gray cloud surrounding it because of, I remember that she was 47 years old, very young. She passed away from this rare, weird lung cancer, never smoked a day in her life. And yet she got, gets this and she battled it for two years. I remember it was like it was yesterday. I got the phone call. We were living in this little place called Kokomo, Indiana in this small little um, two-bedroom apartment. Nick was only about two and a half months old. And my mom calls me to tell me and I was just shocked. And then I get on a plane. I go to California where they lived and um, do the, help do the memorial service for my aunt. And it's just been this thing over the past 13 years that, you know, the, the happiness of Christmas and the merry, jolly feelings, but there's always this gray cloud of that. And I know for a lot of us, maybe in this room, maybe this is your reality during this Christmas season. Instead of these merry, happy, you know, jolly feelings, you, you are feeling more like sorrow and sadness. Maybe it's, it's from a broken relationship, Maybe it's, you know, in, within your family, there's just some, some tension and mess going on. Or maybe it's a friendship that's been broken. Or maybe for some of you, it's your spouse. It's a marriage that um, just feels like there's something broken in it. And you've tried to mend it, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And so there's this feeling of sadness or sorrow. Or maybe it's, it's from the passing of a loved one, like um, with my family. And this season brings all of those memories and all of those feelings with it. Or maybe it's health news that you weren't expecting for you or for a loved one. And now you're, you're faced with a new reality. And, and instead of merry, happy, jolly, it just feels there's a tinge of sadness or sorrow because of it. Or, or maybe it's job-related. You got some news that you weren't expecting. And it's caused anger, frustration. But ultimately, it's caused sadness and sorrow. And it brings with it financial ramifications. And you're asking yourself, I don't know what to do here. And you just this sense of sorrow is over you. And, you, and then you hear that we're going to talk about the idea of joy this Christmas. But you feel like that all Christmas has ever given you is bah humbug. And no matter how much you try, no matter how many people try to tell you, you just need to be happy. Or try to do things to kind of bring you out of it or snap out of it. You just can't. You've tried over and over again and you just... Can't. And so the question is this, is there hope for those who are grieving and full of sorrow to experience this joy that we've been talking about? And if there is, what can bring this good news of great joy to those who are experiencing sorrow and sadness during this season? Well, the good news part of this is that there is something that offers great joy to those who are experiencing sorrow. And I want to spend the rest of our time here this morning talking about what that something is. So if you have a, a copy of the scriptures, a physical one or a digital one, I want to invite you to take it and I want you to open it to Luke chapter 2 here this morning. Okay, Luke chapter 2, it's in the New Testament. We're actually going to start here this morning with a story that happens eight days after the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, the, the very beginning of it is the, the record of the birth of Jesus, and then it talks about the, the shepherds and the angels, and then the shepherds go running to the manger, and they see the baby Jesus, and they worship him. This story that we're going to talk about takes place eight days after that, and we're going to meet a guy named Simeon. 
Okay, And Simeon actually says some things about this something that we're talking about that gives joy over sorrow. You see, Simeon actually forecasted it. Simeon forecasted it. So let's take a look at this story in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 25. Look what it says here. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. I'm going to talk about what the constellation of, his, of Israel is in a little bit, okay? So on the next verse. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. What the custom of the law was, was that for every Jewish boy who was eight days old, they had to go to the temple to be ceremonially circumcised. And so that was the the law. And so here are Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus showing up eight days later to the temple. And Simeon is there waiting for the Messiah to show up. And he sees the baby. So when Simeon sees the baby, look at verse 28. It says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Look at uh, Mary and, and Joseph's response. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon then turns to Mary and says this. Look at this. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he looks right to Mary and he says, And a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'm gonna, I'll explain that in a second here. But I want to go back to what he said when he's holding that baby and looking at baby Jesus and talking to God. And he says, my eyes, God, have seen your salvation. See, Simeon was a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Or to put it another way, he was waiting for the time of promise where Israel would no longer be under the oppression of other nations. It had been hundreds of years in like ancient history since that was a reality. Because first it was the Babylonians who came in and took them captive and ransacked their land. And then it was the Persians. And then the Greeks came in on top of that. And now it was the Roman government. They have not known what it was like to be out from the thumb of oppression for a long, long, long time. But it was promised that this would happen. So Simeon is waiting for that. That's what it means that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit reveals to Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And he, like many other devout Jewish people, believed that the Messiah was going to be this political force like no other that would lead them out from under this oppression into a new kingdom of God. And so he's like, okay, the Messiah is this person that's going to do this and the consolation of Israel, I'm waiting for this. God has revealed I'm going to live until I see this. And then he sees Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus coming and he's like, this is it. This is the Messiah, the promised one. But as he meets the Messiah and holds Jesus in his arms, he realizes that something bigger is going on here. Because he says this, he says, you're going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The Messiah wasn't just for the people of Israel and for the consolation of Israel, but it was for the people of all nations. 
He is the good news that causes great joy for all the people. And then he says this, and I find it very interesting. He says that he is going, he's looking at Mary, and he says, this son of yours is going to cause the rise and the fall of many people in Israel. Basically, he's saying this. He is going to bring people to a decision about who he is. People are going to have to decide, is he really the Messiah or is he not? And then he says, a sword will pierce your own soul too. And he's looking at them and saying, Mary Joseph, you're going to have to make a decision about who he is too. I know he's your son. And right now, all of these last eight days of experience and probably, you know, nine to ten months before that has just been this euphoric experience. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision, a conscious decision about who this son of yours is too. Is he really the Messiah or is he not? But he gives them a wink, wink, and he says, but remember I said, my eyes, God, have seen your salvation. This is who he is. So Simeon forecasts this thing that causes great joy over our sorrow. Later on in the life of Jesus, he actually reads about and fulfills it, this thing. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus is in the synagogue one day, um, as was his custom, and a part of the, the, the ceremony is to get up and to read an Old Testament, a passage of scripture, and so it's Jesus' turn, and he stands up, he goes, and he takes the scrolls from Isaiah, he opens it up, and he reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, look at those words that Jesus is reading to these people. He says, I, I'm here to bring good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoner, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, the Lord's favor upon all people. And I love that in the story, immediately after reading this, he rolls the scroll back up, he gives it back to the attendant who, who took care of these ancient Jewish scrolls. And he goes and sits down like a giant mic drop. He sits down and he looks around the room and he says this. He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm sure the people there were shocked. Because this is what he was saying. Jesus is saying that this Old Testament prophecy is speaking about me. It was speaking about him. Jesus is declaring that he is the one to preach this good news, to proclaim this freedom, to give sight to the physically and spiritually blind, and to set the oppressed ones free. Because he is here, it's quite literally the season of the Lord's favor. He says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today because it's me. He read about it, and he fulfilled it. Later on, as we you know, fast forward the story of Jesus' life the women at the empty tomb experienced this thing that causes joy over sorrow. On the morning that Jesus rose again from death, the gospel writer and disciple of Jesus named Matthew records a story about two women, both named Mary, who went to his tomb and found it empty. An angel, a messenger of God, is sitting there and spoke to them and said to them, Do not be afraid. Jesus is not here. He has risen, just like he said he would. And he showed them the empty tomb, and he told them, run and tell the others. And I just want you to look at their response. Look what happens here. It says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, and I love this line, afraid yet filled with joy. 
afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. They came to the tomb with sadness and sorrow. And they get there and they experience an unexpected thing, the resurrection of Jesus. Something that they, maybe he alluded to, but they didn't maybe quite believe him because of the sadness of the situation and the sorrow of the situation. But because of the news of the resurrection, because of what this meant, they left afraid yet filled with joy. Because of their encounter with the resurrection of Jesus, these women experienced this something. They experienced what gives joy over sorrow. And then finally, God offers this thing, this something to you and to me. Look what Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 says. It says this, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He says, see, the first time Jesus is here, he was sacrificed to take away the sins of many. That was to bear sin. And he will appear a second time, not to do that. He already did that, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus' first advent, what we celebrate at Christmas, all the way up through the Easter season, was so that he might bear and take away the sins of of many through the cross and through his resurrection. But his second advent or his second appearing will be to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You see, Jesus bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might experience his salvation. See, the it, the something that offers great joy to those who experience sorrow is the salvation of Jesus. It's the salvation that he offers. Simeon forecasted it. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus read to us about it and said he is the fulfillment of it. The women at the empty tomb, they experienced it firsthand through the resurrection of Jesus. And God then extends and offers it to each and every one of us, his salvation. So then the question is, what is this salvation? Saved from what, <laughs> right? What are we saved from? And how does it bring great joy? Well, salvation, a basic way to, to put it and a way to think about it is this. Salvation is the eternal rescue of people from the eternal consequences of their sin. That's what salvation is. That, that Jesus, that's what Jesus did through the, the cross, through the resurrection, and what he offers to you and me is the eternal rescue of you and me from the eternal consequence of our sin. Jesus' offer of salvation empowers my joy over sorrow. It empowers my joy over sorrow. It doesn't take away the feelings of grief and sorrow or, or being afraid or any of those things, but it emboldens and empowers my joy. That my joy can actually rise above the feelings of sorrow and sadness. That I can, like the women running away from that empty tomb, be afraid, be sorrowful, be, be sad, whatever it is, yet still at the same time filled with joy because what I have seen and experienced through Jesus. I mean, look how, at how the Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8. He says this, I consider that our present sufferings, and we will go through them and feel them, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation, and so do I, Let's just look that one up. We got this. 
For the, crea- for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, the redemption of our bodies, the, the resurrection of those who believe in Jesus, that for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Jesus' offer of salvation empowers my joy over sorrow. It doesn't take away the feelings of sorrow or sadness and fear, but it gives them their rightful place in our lives, and it gives us hope in the midst of them. It gives us hope in the midst of them. So, so what do we do to experience joy over sorrow this Christmas season? Well, if you're here and you're, you're hearing all about this thing that we've been talking about, salvation, and you're like, I'm not sure I know what that means, or I'm not sure I, I've ever experienced that in my life, then here's what I think, if that's you here this morning, here's what I think you need to do. I think you need to find your joy by putting your hope in Jesus. Find your joy by putting your hope in Jesus. You know, there may be some of you here this morning who are struggling to find joy. And the reason that you're struggling is because you're putting all of your hope in the luck of maybe, just maybe I'll feel happy this year. And you're putting all of your hope in your experiences, or maybe even all of your hope in yourself. But I'm here this morning to tell you that Jesus is offering real hope and concrete joy because of what he did on the cross and what he did through his resurrection. He's offering this salvation, this eternal rescue from the eternal consequence of sin and full redemption in this life and in the life to come to you and to me. And you can find real hope and real joy in your life because of that. And all he asks of you and me is that we do three things with this hope that he's extending to us. He's asking that we believe, that we trust, and that we receive. Believe, believing first that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. It's central to the gospel or the good news and what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's central to being saved or experiencing this thing called salvation. You know, it's not about me doing enough or being enough or even behaving enough. It's about the fact that what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection is enough, and I believe it. So believe, that's, that's the first step. That's the first thing we need to do. The second one is trust. It's trust. While believing is central to faith, it's not exclusive to faith. Our beliefs must move from something we acknowledge to be true to something that we actually put our trust in. In. Around Hopeville, we say it like this. It's moving from Jesus is um, a Savior or even the Savior to now Jesus is my Savior. I'm putting my trust in him. That not only do I admit my need for a Savior and believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose again, but I am putting my full trust in that for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm, I'm not trusting anything else, not even myself, 
to accomplish that. I'm trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. So I believe, and then I trust, and then finally what I do is I receive. That's this third word, receive. That's what you do with a gift, right? I think Christmas time helps us understand that you receive a gift. God is offering this gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross and through his resurrection to you and to me. And he's saying, I just want you to believe, to trust, and then receive this gift that I'm giving to you. That's ultimately what Christmas is about. That's the good news that causes great joy. And all he asks for us to do is to believe, to trust ourselves to him, and then to receive this gift of salvation, this gift of eternal rescue over the eternal consequences of my sin, this eternal life. He asks us to receive it. And some people receive this gift of grace by, by saying a simple prayer to God, acknowledging their need of his grace for their sins and their belief and their trust in Jesus for their forgiveness. Others simply make a confession of faith, of faith that Jesus is, uh, to Jesus that they are believing and trusting in him for the forgiveness of their sins. You know, there's no magic words or even magic prayers that make this receiving more real than others. What makes it real is what's going on inside of the heart of the person who is making that confession, that they are placing their belief and their trust fully in Jesus. Paul tells it like this in Romans chapter 10. He says that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, we will be saved. We will experience this salvation. Belief, trust, and receive. And maybe for some of you here this morning, you need to find your joy by putting your hope in Jesus. And you can do that from the quiet of your seat. Now, we're going to pray in a little bit here. You can do that during that prayer. You can do that during the closing song that we have. You can do that on the car ride. You can do that in the quiet of your home. There's not a specific place you need to do that. All you need to do is believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that what he did on the cross and what he did through his resurrection accomplishes the forgiveness of your sins. You put your trust in that and you receive that gift. And maybe for some of you, that's what you need to do this Christmas season. It could be the best Christmas gift that you've ever received is God's forgiveness of your sins and his salvation through his son, Jesus. Well, maybe for others of us here this morning, we like already did that. I've already placed my hope in Jesus. And what I would say to you is this, is the second thing, rekindle your joy by remembering that your hope is in Jesus. By remembering your hopes in Jesus. I think a lot of time it's, it's really easy to forget our hope should be in Jesus. And I think it's really easy to lose focus or to put our focus in other things, especially in our experiences and our feelings, and then, and then be excited or disappointed by whatever happened, right? But we need to be reminded of and we need to remember that our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. We looked at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 earlier on in this series, and I think it's the perfect reminder to us about what our hope should be placed in. This is what it says. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we fix our eyes on Jesus, not on our circumstances, not on our experiences, not on our feelings, not even on ourselves. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the pioneer or the beginner, and he's the perfecter or the completer of our faith. See, he's not only our example of our faith, but he is the anchor of our faith. 
He's what our faith is anchored to, so we need to fix our eyes on him. And when I can remember that my hope is solidly placed in Jesus and his finished work on the cross and his amazing victory in his resurrection, my joy then can then be rekindled and be empowered because of that. So rekindle your joy by remembering your hope is in Jesus. Your hope's not in your circumstances. It's not in the, your experiences. It's not in your feelings. It's in Jesus. And that will bring joy. The reason, the ultimate reason that Jesus came as a baby, what we celebrate here at Christmas time, and why we celebrate Christmas is because of the salvation that Jesus would ultimately offer through his cross and through his resurrection. His offer of salvation empowers my joy over sorrow. I may still feel the sorrow and the sadness, but his salvation empowers my joy above those things. See, that's our hope. That is, as the angel said to those shepherds, the good news that causes great joy for all the people. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this Christmas season, for all of the feelings and all of the emotions that it brings. And God, ultimately, the Christmas season should be a marker that points us to the cross, the resurrection, ultimate victory. It should be a reminder to us that you've already won and that we can have great joy because of that good news. And it's for all the people. It's for all the people who are experiencing all kinds of different emotions during this Christmas season. And maybe there's someone here this morning who walked in these doors and their um, emotions that they've been experiencing are sorrow and sadness. And what they need to hear more than anything else is that it's okay to feel those things, but Jesus came to give them a new outlet, a new outlook, a new mindset of joy that can rise above those feelings. That ultimately you've won. That you have victory over those things. And that victory can be theirs. God, maybe there's someone here who um, has not known that before and has not experienced what it means to experience your salvation. And God, I pray that maybe today would be that day they'd take that step, that they would believe, that they would trust, and they would receive the free gift of your son, Jesus. And for others of us who have already done that, but maybe um, have allowed the situations and the circumstances and the experiences to gain our focus, God, I pray that we would um, take our eyes off of those things as our focus and put them on your son Jesus and his victory so that we might see in the midst of those circumstances we still have overwhelming victory because your son Jesus. God, that's truly the good news that brings great joy for all the people. May we experience that this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, why don't we stand together and uh, why don't we sing about that good news that causes great joy together as we wrap up before we head into our Christmas services this week.
restore every heart that is
think it's a great way to close out this Christmas series for this month, to sing joy to the world, the Savior has come. And we can experience that salvation. It's the good news that causes great joy for all the people. Well, we have our Christmas services tomorrow and Tuesday, uh, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock tomorrow, 1, 3, and 5 on Tuesday. As you go from here, may you experience the good news that causes great joy in your life this Christmas season. Thank you so much for being here.